2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is v Sin Tonight with veteran handicappers Matt Humans and Wes
3: Reynolds on v Sin, the Sports Betting Network.
4: All right, Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas is in the books. 25-22 in overtime. Chiefs Over the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And Wes, uh, I wanted to mention that this marked our eighth Super Bowl at v Sin. Yes. And the first Super Bowl also went to overtime between the Patriots and Falcons, February 5th, 2017. That was a 28-3 game that ended up 34-28 Patriots. So the first Super Bowl at v Sin went to overtime. The eighth Super Bowl went to OT. We now start our eighth you're broadcasting here at the Vegas Stats and Information. Yeah, Network.
3: and I know that you told the uh, story on uh, Friday night uh, right here on V and tonight of the uh, first Super Bowl with I think yourself and John Von Tobel and Brent Musburger. Oh no, it's Gil Alexander. Oh, Gil Alexander, that's right. And T was a producer. I that's say. right. And, and and Brent was in the studio. It's twenty eight to three. Got his coat. Huh. Did the Don Meredith uh, turn out the lights? The party's over, lads.
4: Oh, he was laughing at us. He had the Falcons. Gil and I had the Patriots. We could not have felt more embarrassed at that point to be down 28-3. to You know Brent. He's one who likes to rub it in. Oh, yeah. And uh, he'll stick it to you. So he walks over to the coat rack, and he puts on his trench coat and his uh, kind of houndstooth hat. And uh, he looks at Gil and me at the desk and just laughs. laughs. Turn out the lights, folks. The party's over. And he walks out of the South Point studio, and within two minutes, the Patriots start their comeback. Anyway, that was our first day on the yeah. air at BCIN, and now we start our eighth year on the air. And, uh, Wes, i guess to say I'm pretty happy with the way the Super Bowl turned out. I mean, it's kind of a typical NFL coin flip spread decision where you felt like yeah. for a large portion of the game, the 49ers were the better team, but they found a way to blow it and give it away. And uh, the better quarterback steals it at the end. The Chiefs win. By three in overtime, and uh, I had the Chiefs winning this game by three, 27-24. Now, it did not go really to the script that I expected, and uh, you never like to see your team fall behind by ten. And I thought the Chiefs really could have been, Wes, could have been behind up by a lot more when they went into halftime, and that's where the 49ers, I don't want to see where they lost the game, but they had a chance to build a big lead in the first half. They kind of shot themselves in the foot and didn't do it.
3: Yeah, sure enough. And, and look, uh, I ended up just playing in terms of a side. I played 49ers money line for the first half, and I leaned to them in the game, and that was my prediction in, in the guide that, that didn't uh, go well at the end. But that's what I ended up playing because I thought the 49ers had a really good game script. And basically when I was looking at this game, it's like, I feel like the 49ers might be the better scripters and the better game planners, but the Kansas City Chiefs are the better adjusters. And you saw that in the second half on both sides of the football, I think, for Kansas City. Because I felt like the 49ers were the better team for the majority of the game. But in the second half, you started to see Spags. You know, he's famous for the blitzes, but it's usually to get the pressure on the opposing quarterback. It was the run blitz. Because a lot of us were like, why aren't the 49ers running the ball more? It's Well, it's because Kansas City is blitzing to stop the run. And they did. And they said in the uh, media uh, availability afterwards, various players and whatnot said – we wanted to keep the ball in Brock Purdy's hands. We wanted to force him to win the game for him. And, uh, you know, it tried, but to no avail. And, you know, you, you give Kansas City and you give Patrick Mahomes a chance at the end. And and I don't like to be a prisoner of the moment and say certain things like this, you know, oh, who's the GOAT or who's the best. But my opinion, he's best. I think he's the best quarterback ever to play in the National Football League. I know he doesn't have the Super Bowls Tom Brady has. It's five to three. But the guy's 28 years old. He just does so many things. And I thought what really won them the game, aside from the uh, special teams miscue for the 49ers on the punt return, uh, where it hit the guy in the foot and Ray Bain McLeod saw it and had to try to, cry to recover it and couldn't do it. But I thought what really won the Chiefs the game in the second half offensively were those design runs for Mahomes. Because those kept drives going. Because there were times they were in third down and... You know, nothing was really going right. They they had the one deep shot to Hardman in the first half, and that's about it. We know Kelsey was upset. He wasn't getting the ball and the little bump with Coach Reed and whatnot. But the design runs really, I think, are what opened it up because the middle was wide open, and Mahomes and the offensive uh, staff for the Chiefs really recognized that. And that's what I think got their offense going in the second half more than anything.
4: Yeah, I was very disappointed with the play calling and some of the decision-making by Chiefs coach Andy Reed in the first half. Uh, but in the second half, I think he got things straight and he got it right. And um, there were a lot of really good play calls by Reed, especially in the fourth quarter, and uh, great execution by Patrick Mahomes. And I just thought in the first half, Wes, that the, the Chiefs were fooling around a little bit too much on offense and uh, they needed to get serious and pick up the pace. And the 49ers had a chance to kind of blow that game open. You know, they could have been up 20-3, to three, mm-hmm. but the Niners made some mistakes. And when you let Patrick Mahomes hang around, something bad's going to happen. And that's actually um, what the 49ers paid for in the end. We'll talk about a lot of props, hits, and misses that we had on uh, Super Bowl 58, because there's a lot of stuff to go through uh, for the game tonight. Got a clip here from uh, Patrick Mahomes after the game. And uh, he knew which team was the underdog in the game.
2: You know, you go on and win the championship, being the underdog the last three
3: games in the playoffs. Maybe a lesson learned for everybody else out there in the future. Yeah, just know that the Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs. Just know that.
4: All right, that's Jim Nance, CBS Sports. It's on the field at Legion Stadium after the game. And uh, Wes, the Chiefs were underdogs on the road to Buffalo, on the road to Baltimore, mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, in a neutral against San Francisco, the only team – it was not an underdog all season in the NFL, the 49ers. Right. Uh, but I will say, and the reason I stuck with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, the main reason is I I really thought that um, Mahomes had an edge over Purdy. Casey had the slightly better D in my mind, and uh, the, definitely the better kicker. And I thought maybe the kicker is going to make the difference. Who knows? We'll talk about the kicking part a little bit later. Uh, but also, I bet the Chiefs against the Dolphins, I bet against the Bills, and I bet the Chiefs against the Ravens. Betters tend to stick with the team that pays you off. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason for me to switch over to the Niners. I couldn't find a good reason to switch over. Right. But it was one of those, hey, look, you're not going to brag when you win a bet like this because it was –
3: one of those decisions easily could have gone either yeah, way. Yeah, and uh, I'll correct myself real quick. Seven Super Bowls already, not five. I said five on accident.
4: I won six in New England and one in Tampa yes. Bay, and he went to a total of ten and won seven. Yes, yeah.
3: but look, I still maintain I think Mahomes is going to go down as the best ever. Mm-hmm. He's the best I've seen for what he can do. I think he can do more than any other quarterback I've seen. He can beat you throwing the ball. He can beat you managing the game. He can beat you with his legs. I mean, he just – he he understands and, and he he sees the field and he sees the openings and you know able to make those adjustments mentally and he certainly did. This was actually, if you want to call it, a down year for Patrick Mahomes. This was actually a down year for the whole team, really. This was a down year for the Chiefs. You know, having to replace uh, their tackles, having probably uh, safe for Kelsey and a little bit of Rasheed Rice. This is probably the worst group of position skill position players he's ever had. I think he was 12th in the league in passer ratings, 17th in yards per attempt, 6th in yards, 8th in passing touchdowns. There's a reason because people are saying, oh, why didn't Patrick Mahomes get votes for regular season MVP? And why was he, you know, 7th or I think whatever he finished in the final balloting? Because he had a down year numbers-wise and because the Chiefs were at a little bit of a down year. But there's something to be said for championship pedigree and there's something to be said for, you know, just building an organizational culture. The fact that they knew... Those rules they knew what it was going to be because I think there are a lot of people that were watching that game and it's like oh my god you know why are they letting this clock go down why are they letting this clock go down they knew a, touch, a touchdown was going to win it just right there and they ran uh, what, what do they call it the corn dog or whatever it was it was the same play they ran last year uh, in the corner of the end zone where they found Hardman wide open uh, they do that little trips right And Hardman wide open in the corner of the end zone. And uh, Hardman, actually, though, I don't think he knew that they won. He knew they took the lead. And when Mahomes jumped in his arms, I think I had to tell him, like, hey, dude, we won.
4: It's over. Well, he's probably waiting for a penalty flag or something like that. Probably. Yes. Uh, I was sitting with somebody. I was down here in the Circus Sportsbook. We're watching the game, and he kept saying, Scotty Tribucco, who's a big uh, player here, Mm -hmm. kept saying, I got to watch the clock. They got to watch the clock. I said, (laughs) Scott, the clock is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Actually, didn't even need to turn the clock on yeah. in overtime. Each team was going to get a possession. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the clock being on and the rules not being explained thoroughly had a lot of people confused in overtime. Quickly, we're going to get uh, to more of this later. Were you stunned that the 49ers players did not know the overtime yes. rules? And yes. we found that out after the game, and that Kyle Shanahan and the coaches had not schooled the players on the overtime rules?
3: Because I consider them an above average coaching staff in this league, uh, the 49ers. And I, I was very surprised that they did not know because they seem like a really smart team with with smart players. And j- just to not know that scenario, because even what we just uh, showed earlier with, with the tweet, uh, that Chris Jones said, hey, they were going to go for two if the 49ers uh, went ahead and scored on that first
4: draft. All right, let's talk about that a little bit more later. Wes, we got a game about the tip in the association. Golden State at Utah and at DraftKings, the Warriors, one-point favorites, total of 240 in Salt Lake City, and a big win by the Warriors over the weekend. Did you play anything in the Golden State-Utah game?
3: Nothing in this game. Steph hit the big shot, though, the game winner on Saturday night uh, against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, uh, Draymond and Nurkic got into it again, as they usually do. But, but since Draymond has come back, they have been playing better. They've switched that lineup up with Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Jonathan Kuminga. I think has been that third score that they've been looking for, and Draymond. I know uh, uh, JBT and the, the boys, Kelly Bidlin and company, talked about this on Hardwood Handicappers. This might be a good time to bet Warriors make playoffs at plus money because they're starting to play better and they are back to five hundred. Uh, so, uh, just tipping off here in Utah. The
4: overreactions from the NBA in terms of the media and betters and fans—you start. How many times have you already heard throw dirt on the Warriors? They're dead. right, right, and now all of a sudden you're talking about.
3: Uh, they hey, bet the Warriors. Yeah, this might be a good they topic, did Because they didn't make any like real seismic moves at the trade deadline last week. So, you know, they're going with who they have, but they're, they're starting to put it together. And I think Kaminga has really been the key offensively to be that Kuminga's third scorer.
4: Great. No, yes. no doubt about it. All right, so we're going to take a quick break here. Johnny Avello, DraftKings Sportsbook Director, joins us next. We'll talk more Super Bowl betting with Johnny. Stay tuned here on VSEN tonight.
5: This is VSIN tonight
3: with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VSIN experts have got you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. You can subscribe today and get our daily best bets email, 24 7 video access, upcoming college hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, full access to vsin.com, and a lot more. Visit VSEN.com slash subscribe today. Sign up for only nine ninety nine. dollars 99 slash subscribe. Wes, introduce our next guest.
3: The post-Super Bowl 58 edition of Here's
4: Johnny. And that's Johnny Avello, DraftKings Sportsbook Director. Johnny, uh, great to have you on a Monday night uh, all throughout the uh, football season. This is our last Monday night of the football season, so it's bittersweet. Are all the numbers in for DraftKings in terms of uh, the props, the side, and everything that was bet on this game, and uh, what the win loss was for the sports book?
5: Yeah, everything was in by probably eleven o'clock last night or so our time, um, and we did we did good overall for the day. Um, the game itself, we did lose. There was a lot of chief money. We did good on the futures. Both teams were good for us. Uh, props were good. In game was good. Uh, even though Kelsey had a good night, um, you know, he didn't hit all of them, but they did bet him over 70 and a half. They bet him over 60 and a half and 50 and a half on the alternates. Uh, they bet him to score the first touchdown, pretty huge. So, uh, the props worked out good for us and we had a great handle, uh, better than last year, uh, which is always what we're striving to do. And uh, th- and we had a good result, so uh, no complaints, and it's over with, and <laughs> on to the next sport.
4: So it was a uh, a record handler f- handle for the Super Bowl at DraftKings, and uh, Johnny, would you say it was a small winner or a solid winner? Because uh, you know I was following social media and some of the reporters last night. There were a lot of comments about how it was gloom and doom, like it was going to be a bad uh, Super Bowl for the Vegas sports books, but not so the case for DraftKings.
5: Yeah, you know, you can't. It's a whole lot different with our network than it is for the Vegas sports books. You know, those guys, if they take a five hundred thousand dollar bet or a million dollar bet, that's going to be the day. I mean, everything's going to ride on that bet. Uh, not the case with us. You I mean we just got much more volume uh, and many more jurisdictions, so it's it's different for us. Um, but so I understand. I knew that you know the town was chief heavy for the most part. We were kind of chief heavy too, but we just had a lot of other stuff going for us. So, it was a good solid win, Matt. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a tiny win. It was a good solid one.
3: John, you know this uh from your time of uh, running book in Vegas. There's always, you know, those big plus money books that the pro- that the or props rather that the books are trying to dodge whether it's a safety or what we had last night, which was overtime, which I saw as high as 9 to 1 or 10 to 1 uh did you get hit a little bit on that prop last night?
5: We paid a good man on that one, Wes. Yeah, that was a that was a huge loss for a prop for us. Uh we were paying 10 to 1. And you know, that prop's not a really bad bet. I mean, the two odds of that hitting are probably around 14, 15 to 1. So 10's not bad. And when you look at the spread on the game being two, um, you know, it, it figures that this game could have landed really close to zero uh, or three. You know, at the worst case, maybe three on each. Somebody wins by three on each side in, in regulation. But you know, it's uh, it it fell it fell on zero, and they went into uh, overtime, and uh, and all those players were rewarded. Uh, one thing to mention on the on the game itself. You know, we we opened this game two and a half, and we went all the way down to one and back to two. That all happened within the 36 hours. We never moved off of two again. And the same with the total, 47-and-a-half was the opener. We never moved off of 47-and-a-half until the day of the game. Uh, and so we had two-way action on both numbers, and we weren't really in a bad spot there. So uh, good good job on our team just holding the numbers as steady as they could.
4: I believe according uh, to what I saw on the screen, DraftKings closed uh, one and, a half and 47 on the game. Is that where you closed it?
5: I think, well, that was real late. That was okay. probably, yeah, one and a half was probably real close to post time. Uh,
4: and in addition to the uh, overtime prop hitting, will the game be decided by exactly three points? Yes, at about plus 450 or 5 to 1. I did play that one. Three years in a row, that prop has hit. The game's been decided by exactly three points. First touchdown of the game by Christian McCaffrey, 4 to 1 odds. Last TD by McCall Hardman, 50 to 1. How about a missed extra point at 4-1 to one odds? The first reception by the 49ers fullback at 24-1. to one. The game tied after 0-0, minus 120. A lot of people like to play that. And uh, this is one I hit too. Players to attempt to pass over two and a half. We had a third player attempt to pass, and it was a TD pass in the game. Johnny, um, let's talk about the game in general here for a minute. Were you surprised the reports you heard last night that the 49ers players did not know the overtime rules and were not schooled by Kyle Shanahan. And what was just your general take on how the game unfolded and played out in the end last night?
5: Well, the ref, uh, you know, at the coin flip of the overtime, the ref explained the rules. Now maybe the only people on TV could hear it, but the two captains that were out there heard it. And they should have brought it back to the team and, and, you know, told them what the story was on overtime. Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, And I can I can actually see that happening because that's a new rule that wasn't uh, probably was overlooked by the 49ers. And it something that wasn't talked about uh, in any of the practices. That's that's mistake on the coaching, uh, certainly for the coaches. Um, The game itself was sloppy. A lot of mistakes. The 49ers probably had an opportunity to uh, increase that lead to a bigger margin. You cannot let the Chiefs be within a score because you're going to get burned. That's just the Chiefs' M.O. You give them a a little bit of an opportunity late in the game to win the game and they're going to get it done. I thought Purdy, uh, the game plan to not get him outside of the pocket was probably a mistake. Um, You know, he, he looked like he was a six foot one guy. I don't know how tall Purdy was, but he was just having trouble getting the ball over the lineman. Um, so, you know, the, the, Purdy had a rough game. I, you know, I didn't think it was a good game for him. McCaffrey worked his butt off trying to do the best he could. Um, and it was a good play. It could have went either way, guys. And the, But the Chiefs just know how to win. That's That's what it comes down to. The Chiefs just know how to get the job done when it needs to be done.
3: And no surprise that DraftKings, these two teams, the two top choices uh, for next year for Super Bowl 2025, San Francisco plus 550, Kansas City plus 650, surely uh, a lot of movement to be had by this time uh, next year. Uh, uh, John, in terms of like the player props, uh, uh, where were you a big winner and what hit you pretty hard on the player side?
5: Well, uh, first touchdown scorer, McCaffrey, as Maddie mentioned, that was that was a big score for the players, although it wasn't a really big price. It was a short, you know, one of the shorter prices you'll see. Uh, anytime score, uh, Valdez Scanling was uh, a plus 550. Anytime score, Hardman was plus uh, 11, 1100, 11 to 1. And anytime score, uh, Juwan Jennings was uh, 8 to 1. And then Purdy rushing yards over 11 and a half. I didn't realize he got there, Wes. I thought he only had about nine. I didn't realize he got to 11 and a half. Where did, he, where did he find those last couple of yards? Yeah,
3: he had a second carry, and it's funny that you mentioned that, John, because I had under 12 and a half, actually, and I was going to mark that down as a loser because he had the couple carries for 13 yards, but they took a knee at the end, and he loses a yard, so that's why it lands on 12, so, you know. Uh, it wasn't as pronounced as when Mahomes did it when he ran like five yards behind the line of scrimmage a couple years ago and took knees. But uh, uh, that's how it ends on 12. So look, on some of these props, these numbers are that close, and sometimes you got to yeah. be lucky.
4: That's true. Uh, Johnny, I saw oh, plenty of lists of uh, big bets, six-figure bets, million-dollar bets. Did DraftKings take million-dollar bets on, uh, on the side?
5: Uh, no million, Matt, but... Uh, an abundance of six-figure bets, you know, 500, 600, all of those, but many, many, many of those, uh, you know, and that's that's the only way you can get to a big handle like we have. So, um, you know, we don't go out and publicize them too much. I think they're kind of old hat now for the media. You know, media likes to talk about the seven-figure ones, not the six-figure ones anymore. So we did put one out there early, uh, you know, in, in a week. I think we do. it was 500,000 on the Niners but we took many of those uh and the 49ers the that there were many big just those type of bets. Chiefs were more of the smaller type of bets. Now when I say smaller, the you know 50 to 100,000 was the mm-hmm. uh you know the type of bets the Chiefs were taking, but the big money line bets were on the Niners.
4: Hey, you should mention here we got about 30 seconds left. You put up uh win totals on the two Super Bowl
5: teams for next season? Yeah, we did. We put up uh Ten and a half for the Chiefs, over $1.30. And uh, 11 and a half on the 49ers, under $1.50. So um, that's two numbers we just threw up. We put up a couple of props on the two te- two Super Bowl teams.
4: All right, Johnny Avello, DraftKings. Johnny, always appreciate the time on Monday nights.
5: Hey, guys, good talking to you.
4: Thanks, John. All right, quick break. Back here in a couple of minutes. We'll talk some college hoops on V-CEN tonight.
2: VSIN
3: tonight with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: If you haven't done it yet, check out the new vsin.com. If you go to uh, our new book website now on the front page, you're going to see plenty of sport, Super Bowl coverage and college hoops, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Check out the new vsin.com today. All right, Wes. Um, do want to mention the biggest bets that were reported on the Super Bowl. And uh, Ben Fox put these up on his Twitter account. Later in the show tonight, we're going to be joined by another reporter who is covering the Super Bowl from all betting angles, and that's Patrick mm-hmm. Everson of Vegas Insider. He's going to join us in hour number two with a bunch of uh, betting uh, news. But here are the eight conform- confirmed $1 million-plus Super Bowl bets. And Circa took two of them. Right here at Circa Sports, 1.1 million on the 49ers minus 1.5. That's a winner for the book. Circa also took a million on the Chiefs plus two. BetMGM 1.1 on the Chiefs plus two. And Bet MGM also took 1.1 on the 49ers minus two. And other bets were at uh, BetMGM Bet MGM also had 1 million on the Niners money line minus 130. So you can see all the bets there. There are six bets of a million or more on the 49ers, either minus one and a half, two, or money line. One of them, though, Wes was on the 49ers first half, minus a half point, and that is at what sports book is that? That looks like a points bet. Okay. So there's a winner if you played the 49ers in the first half. I know you played the
3: Niners in the so, first half. Somebody right? followed my lead and uh, made some money. No, I'm just kidding.
4: So you've got one, two, three, four, five losers and three winners right there. On the eight confirmed $1 million bets.
3: So BetMGM goes two and one uh, on those uh, $1 million
4: dollar bets. is going to be happy with those results. Yes. Right? And uh, Circa nets 100000 on those two with $1 million on the Chiefs $1.1 1. 1 on the 49ers. Anyway, those, I know that... Um, there are countless six-figure bets, oh, yeah. and uh, we're not going to talk about those, but these million-dollar bets, eight on one Super Bowl, is uh, significant to talk about. All right, let's get to college hoops. And before we brought on Johnny Avello, ooh, hope you didn't take the points with Wake Forest. Yeah, we were and, watching uh, a
3: nasty beat happen in progress. Demon Deacons
4: were getting seven or seven and a half and ended up losing by eight at Duke. You want to go ahead and explain what happened?
3: Yeah, and it was uh, uh down the stretch here. I think I think it was I want to say it was 73 to 69 with 28 seconds left to go. Or I'm sorry, 74-69. Duke splits a pair. Wake misses a foul shot. Breakaway dunk uh for uh, for uh Duke here. 13 seconds left to go to put him up uh eight. And then Duke fouls. Missed the one and uh, Hunter Salas, uh the Gonzaga transfer uh misses uh the front end. And then rebound, eight-point game, about 10 seconds left to go. Wake Forest does not foul. They were down two at the half. They were pretty much within the number the whole game. I, I think they were. I didn't get to watch all of it uh, driving down here for the program tonight. But, yeah, very, very tough beat for for Wake Forest. They, they were very game, uh, you know, felt they were the right side. But sometimes that happens in college basketball when you don't get there. And you look at Wake Forest, uh, the computer profile likes this team, though, because they – They've got a couple – they've got good wins. Not like great wins, but beat Florida, uh, went over Virginia. But this was the chance to really get that home run win for Wake Forest. And uh, they do not get it tonight. They'll get Duke, by the way, I believe, uh, in about 12 days. On uh, Saturday the 24th, they'll get Duke back in Winston-Salem. But opportunity gone uh, for the Deacons at least on this evening. So they're 16-8. and eight. Duke has now won uh, three in a row. They'll get Florida State on Saturday on the road.
4: I'm going to tell you that I looked at this game this morning and said, "That's eh, it's not enough points. I yeah, I because
3: I think you and I are probably leaning in the same side. I was leaning with Wake Forest. Yeah, I was but... too,
4: but just wasn't enough points. First of all, if you bet a lot of college hoops, that will be true in the NBA too, these end games can drive you crazy. You can have a two-point game. You play a lot of dogs. You can have a two-point game where you're catching seven points and end up losing by ten. Mm-hmm. It's easy for that to happen in the last minute and a half. I didn't want to take seven with Wake because I, my actual thinking on this was, man, this could be a tight game late, and it's going to be free throws, and Duke's going to be at the line. Then you're relying on guys to knock down threes, and uh, two could become eight or nine or something like that, and that's exactly what happened, believe it or not. And uh, that's why I was looking at this handicap last night and said I was, I was thinking I'd probably have to get nine, mm-hmm. nine and a half, ten, if I were going to bet Wake in this game, tonight, couple of just, years
3: ago you'd have been getting that yeah, in that exact same spot, and that's what we've been talking about on this show is the fact that these these quote unquote I don't think this was necessarily a spot, but 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 these quote unquote spots. I mean, you're just you're not getting the line value that you used to. Right. You're really not because it used to be that bookmakers right up until about right after the Super Bowl. Would just copy case Ken copy paste Ken Palm lines and they don't do that anymore. Uh, I think uh, and actually I think tonight uh, uh, the metrics guys were lower than the number was. Uh, they were at Duke minus six, Duke minus five and a half, and ends up seven. But
4: and actually there was money in the market on Wake today, mm-hmm. and that money lost because the end game got away from the Demon Deacons. Yeah. That's
3: mm-hmm. college basketball. So,
4: uh, game that turned into an eight point game. If you took seven and a half, you're an unlucky loser in that one. 77 everyb- 69.
3: Everybody's joining the market now. You know, I, I tweeted the, the little uh Belichick gif. We're, we're on the college basketball, and you know, that that should be for like a, a lot of our uh service advisory friends or uh, or tout business uh folks that we know because now I have something to sell. What's the inventory? It's college basketball right now, but we've been betting it all year, so.
4: Yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, Circuit College Hoops Challenge later in the show, too, because uh, the most popular play in that on Friday night uh, was a bust, but we'll get to that uh, later in the show tonight. turned out to be an okay week in the contest, but overall, uh, there was one game that stood out. How about tonight in the Big 12, West Virginia at TCU, and the Mountaineers were trashed over the weekend by Texas, and uh, catching 13 in Fort Worth tonight and uh, this game hanging right around the number west in the
3: second half yeah and 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 too much lay I have it in a money line parlay uh, TCU but you felt like this was this was a good uh, chance to get on track they lost it te- to Texas at home lost at Iowa State on Saturday everybody's losing at Iowa State though and in that conference their home field or home quarter has been about the best in the conference so far West Virginia yeah, just not going right. They got Jesse Edwards back, uh, uh, the senior that's the uh, transfer from uh, Syracuse, and they played a couple good games with him, but this is a team full of transfers with Kirk Creesa and Jesse Edwards and Kobe Johnson, Noah Farrakhan. West Virginia's got the interim coach, of course, uh, Josh Eilert. He, I, he, I don't anticipate he is going to be back. West Virginia is going to be looking for a coach. There's already been names bannered about for this team, but – 94 to 58. That is a poor effort. They've knocked off a couple good teams at home, but they gave up, I think, 1.36 points per possession, which is abysmal defense. Texas hit 15 threes, 21 to 38 from the two, 15 to 32 from the three. Yeah, West Virginia, you want you wonder what the psyche is for these guys right now? Uh, Eight and 15, three and seven in the conference, and about to go three and eight in the conference if this score holds. What is the score right now? The score of this one is TCU 62-48, to about 10.5 left to go.
4: All right, let's get to the other Big 12 game, Kansas-Texas Tech. The Red Raiders on a 12-2 run, and they lead 24-14 with 7.5 minutes to go. And if you were surprised when you looked at the board today and saw Tech up to a 3 or here at Circuit, even a a 3.5-point favorite over Kansas, that's because Kevin McCuller, One of uh, two Jayhawks out tonight. And uh, Kevin McCuller, one of the top two players on this Kansas team. So, it makes a big difference.
3: Yeah, this was was, uh, uh, the back end of the money line, Barley, for me. I I didn't get it in the overnight. I I wish I would have on Texas Tech. Texas Tech, their home court has been awesome this year. And, and, And it has really been one of the best. Tough to win down there. I felt like this was a very similar situation to what Kansas had last Monday night. Now we had to sweat out overtime with Kansas State, both of us. But they just beaten Houston at home. Got to go to the Octagon of Doom. They lose in overtime. And then, then you have a big win over Baylor, being shorthanded on on Saturday, and 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 beat Baylor at home. And now having to go to Texas Tech, who has, uh, I believe, uh, they were off a couple losses before they beat UCF on Saturday. They had lost uh, three in a row. So, yeah. This is a tough turnaround for Kansas on the on these big Monday games, and uh, you're seeing it here again tonight twenty seven to fourteen Red Raiders up early six forty left in the first half. I was in
4: Lubbock, I think in two thousand eight. Does this sound right to you, Wes? I think two thousand eight was when Bob Knight was going for the wins record, and mm-hmm. UNLV had just um, won a game at Houston. Yeah, and I, w- I was covering the team at that point for the Las Vegas Review Journal. We made a trip to Lubbock. And everybody thought it was going to be a coordination that night. Texas Tech was a favorite over uh, UNLV, and the Rebels actually beat yeah, uh, the Red Raiders there in Lubbock and uh, held off the Bob Knight celebration for a few days. Do you remember that game? I do remember yeah. that game. Uh, I've been in that arena. That's a tough place to win, actually. All right, quick break. we got more Super Bowl and some NBA right here after a quick break
0: on V-CEN tonight.
3: VSIN tonight with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on V-CIN, the sports betting network.
4: This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new players can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to 1000 dollars in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, download the app and use promo code vSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. Promo code vSIN. We're going to talk Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Brent Musburger here in a few minutes, but uh Wes, let's first get to the association and see what's happening in the NBA tonight. Your Pacers go down at Charlotte 111 to 102 and Pacers were 10-point road favorites
3: addressed. Yeah, and they not not a very good uh, loss for the Pacers uh tonight as uh, Charlotte. You know, kind of a bare bones team. They made a lot of trades uh Couple new starters in the lineup. Uh, they they made the trade with Dallas. They traded Gordon Hayward off to Oklahoma City. But Hornets get the win, one eleven to one oh two tonight. Miles Bridges with the double double. Grant Williams, a new acquisition from the uh, Mavericks, twenty one off the bench. So very sluggish performance for the Pacers, who of course are uh, getting ready for All Star break uh, weekend uh, in Indianapolis uh, this year.
4: I know you're going to be excited about that. Your home city on display.
3: They hadn't had it since uh, 1985, so a lot of people coming in town. Big deal for the city. <laughs> we might are very
4: civic-minded people. Might not be a good thing. Remember what All-Star uh, weekend was like in Las Vegas?
3: Yeah, but, uh, but uh, Indianapolis is not Las Vegas in terms of uh, some of the offerings. But it is a very nice place.
4: Cavs were 11-point home favorites tonight, and they go down 123-121 to 121 to the Sixers, so an upset there, how about the Spurs? Six-point road dogs at Toronto and a rare win for the Spurs and a blowout win for that matter. Right now it's 122-96 late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and back
3: to Philadelphia. Tyrese Maxey makes a couple foul shots with about a 6.9 left to go. Shot by Cleveland, no good, so they win by two. Yeah, 122-99 to uh, 99, San Antonio over Toronto. Uh, Victor Wembanyama 27-14 and to lead the uh, Spurs in a rare win. They now have 10 wins on the season.
4: Less than two minutes to go in Atlanta. We're watching the Bulls and the Hawks, and uh, the Bulls lead this game, one twenty-eight, one twenty, and they close five-point road dogs. We got a tight one in Houston between the Knicks and the Rockets, and West there was a shift. Uh, Knicks overnight were five-point road favorites, and that number closed the DraftKings Rockets minus one.
3: Yeah, a couple guys uh, uh, sitting out. Of course, we know Randall's been out, and Anobi has been out, so Knicks relatively short-handed, and we know we know Tom Thibodeau. Hartenstein, by the way, also uh, out tonight uh, for for the Knicks. So very shorthanded, and Alperin Sengun got upgraded to probable today. So that's why uh, you saw the money come on the Rockets. So up by four midway through the third.
4: How about the uh, Milwaukee Bucks? And they are rolling right now, eighty-seven to sixty-three over the Nuggets. That's late third quarter. Bucks close one-point favorite.
3: Yeah. I was looking to see if there was an injury on Jamal Murray because I, I was uh, typing it into the X. And, of course, the first thing I saw was uh, refund Jamal Murray because he's got, I believe, three points and two rebounds. I actually have his under assist tonight. And uh, uh, even if he was, uh, well, he's not coming back in the game down 28, I think, uh, after three quarters. Uh, the Joker 29-12 and 12 tonight, but the Greek Freak with 35-16 and 16, uh Big lead for the Bucks going into the fourth, 63
4: You got a couple good games tonight in the association. If uh, you want to watch Golden State in Utah, that's a tight one right now in Salt Lake City, thirty-nine thirty-seven Warriors. And again, they went off as one-point road favorites. Total of two forty. Those DraftKings numbers. I do like watching Jonathan Kaminga. That's one player who's developing uh, right yeah. now for Golden State, and uh, I think a reason. For optimism with that team.
3: Yeah, he's already got 10 early uh, uh, pods. Uh, the kid from Santa Clara with eight off the bench. Uh, Gary Payton, uh, the second, who I called the mitten. Of course, his dad was the glove. Uh, he, re- he did return to the lineup. So that's going to help them, I think, at least defensively. You know, just give them another body. They- they've they really missed him. But uh, uh, Golden State might be starting to figure this out. Uh, Kaminga with 10 early, 41-39, about eight minutes left to go in the second quarter
4: one more game the last one on the board tonight tips uh less than an hour from now 7 40 p.m pacific t wolves at clippers in la and clips minus five total of 224
3: yeah and then the the money's been going toward the clips here too because uh i believe they're uh one game out in the win column uh from the timberwolves who of course been fighting with oklahoma city they're at the top all season uh nothing has been announced in terms of the lineup but a lot of the money a lot of the money has been going uh going to the clippers here uh so they they've been really i think the hot team as of late i know uh john von tobel had a nice uh write up uh today he's been all over this team and look they're 27 and 6 straight up and 21 and 12 ats in their last 33 games so clippers are are are, are as uh, hot as anybody and uh uh you know They can bring Rudy Gobert out of the paint uh, uh, because they they did acquire Daniel Tice. He was a a buyout uh, from the Pacers earlier this year. So that's what you got to do. you got to get Rudy in space and don't let him just sit out there at the rim, and the Clippers certainly can do that. A little bit deeper team, but big game really for both squads, at least at the top of the Western Conference standings going into the All-Star break.
4: All right, uh, let's talk a little bit more Super Bowl. I watched the replay of the game today on NFL Network. I always like to go back and watch games, see if there were things I missed the first time around. And uh, you do see some uh, things the second time. I did hear, I missed it in the broadcast last night, but uh, Jim Nance said some positive things about Brett Hausberger mm-hmm. and how he should be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I think it's the Pete Roselle.
3: Yeah, it, it, it is the Pete Rosell Award. Broadcasters and media, right? Yeah, the Pete Rosell Award. That's what uh, Jim was talking about because uh, this got started a little bit earlier this week. Unfortunately, we don't have the audio uh, from last night. But uh, Dan Patrick was the guy that, that really kind of got this going during the week because I believe Brent was uh, a guest with uh, DP and the Danettes earlier this week. And, uh, you know, Dan brought it up and uh, – Jim Nance, of course, picked up on it. And, and what the Roselle Award, it's the Roselle Radio and Television Award that was created in 1989 after the late commissioner, Pete Roselle, bestowed annually by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And look, Pete Roselle, the NFL did not grow more in media in any other tenure like Pete Roselle's. He's the one that really, I think, exploded this. So if you look, if you look at the list and go search the list and go Google it, the who's who of, like, broadcasters. Uh, Lindsey Nelson, Chris Schenkel, Kurt Gowdy, Pat Summerall, John Madden, Frank Gifford, Al Michaels, uh, 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 Don Meredith, Dan Dierdorf, Chris Berman, Jim Nance uh, won this, I believe, over a decade ago. Tom Jackson, J- JB, James Brown, Joe Buck. A lot of the executives, too. Dick Ebersole, who was the head of NBC Sports for many years. Uh, Rune Arledge, who created Monday Night Football. So it is a who's who of, uh people that built the NFL and certainly I think Brent belongs in that category Brent's gonna find
4: his way in there probably should be in there already yeah and uh the,
3: he created the the, N- the, the NFL today actual show actually actually uh Brent's uh, longtime friend and partner uh Irv Cross uh won this award in uh, 2009 so I think that's going well, go to happen are you're back to the NFL today's happen.
4: studio show on CBS yeah. and that was the first studio show and Brent was the anchor. Uh, for that, he's going to be in. I, I was surprised to find out he wasn't in. Already. I was too,
3: because you know, looking at looking at this list, and I, I rattled off a bunch of the names. I'm even uh, not including some even more notable names, but these are the people that built the National Football League on television. You also have some radio voices in there. I know Myron Cope, who's the longtime Steeler voice is in there. So these are the people that built the National Football League into the Goliath that it was in the media that told the stories. You know, Ed Sable, creator of NFL Films, he's in there. John Facenda, the longtime John narrator. got to be
4: on there. I was watching some old NFL yeah. films. John Facenda narrates. Those Those are
3: classics. Yeah, they um, built this league into, into what it is and made it America's number one spectator sport. You know, they say baseball is America's pastime, but football is America's passion. And these are the folks that helped build it.
4: Jim Nance uh, was stumping for Brent Musburger, let's say. Yes. And, I, I, and Brent's going to get in. He, he's going to get in there. But Nance uh, did throw a gambling reference into the uh, broadcast, and he says, usually 19 is usually a winning hand in this town. Mm-hmm. And I heard him say that. And, you know, one of the many things about great things about Brent is that he's a, been a proponent of sports betting of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. He's promoted Sports betting in the, you know, in the broadcast was references, sometimes veiled references in the past, uh, but all that's out in the open now. Super Bowl 58 in Vegas, I think, is kind of the uh, the official, I don't want to say, coronation of the whole thing where, Wes, you no longer have to talk yeah. veiled references yeah, it, about it, sports betting or anything. It's, it's,
3: it's all out there. It's not taboo huh? anymore no. uh, because uh, I, I was watching, actually, I believe they carried it on some of the local stations today, Roger Goodell and the league officials and the yeah. Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee did their kind of like post gaggle, if they you will, press nice, conference, they say and nice they do things about
4: the city, and they do
3: time. now. Now when they said, yeah, oh yeah, we'll be back, they're obviously telling the truth. This is going to be a regular every six to eight years, mm-hmm. you know, amongst some of the other cities, and then you might have an outlier within that time frame, but. Miami, New Orleans, Los Angeles, the usual suspects. And now Vegas becomes, I think, one of the usual suspects in the Super Bowl. All right, we got
4: a lot more Super Bowl betting topics to talk about. Hour number two and hour number three. We also got Patrick Everson on to talk about some of the Super Bowl betting angles we haven't covered yet. And uh, a lot
0: more, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. The Sports Betting Network.